hello, hello. This is another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by another guy. David Russell. How you doing? Hey, David Russell. That name seems familiar. Uh, tell me, where have I heard that name? Who the heck are you in Washington? Why give a damn? <laughs> well, I'm the host of Proselytize and Apostatize, and I started it with my friend Titus, uh, who's been on your show, actually. And he got we got together and just started hosting the show and next thing you know it turned into doing it weekly and then it turned it into um a youtube channel and then titus left and we had my uh, other co-host david come in so there's two davids now running the show but i also hold uh our own a facebook page called virginia apologetics union for people in virginia that you know want to check it out go for it <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, who's the other David? David Pullman. David Pullman. So last week I had a guest on the show, David Kimball Cook. Actually, nice. I say last week. I don't know when I'm re- releasing these shows. <laughs> so <laughs> it may have been last week. Recently, uh, I, I had a conversation with David Kimball Cook. Lots of Davids. Yeah, uh, man. You got a lot of Davids going through there, man. Well, you know, we Davids got to stick together. Um, so you're a Christian, Titus is a Christian. How did two Christians end up doing a show? I mean, wouldn't it be more interesting (laughs) if you were arguing with someone you disagreed with? Well, that was kind of the premise of the show. So we started off that, uh, bringing atheists on and we still do. I mean, I have a debate with somebody that follows you, Darren Lute, uh, later on today. So we're going to have a conversation with him about pretty much almost the same thing that we're going to, me and you are going to be talking about. So, but yeah, we we get people on that disagree. Um, yeah, man, I think that's how we started. How how we got how I got to know him is he contacted me through my Facebook page, and was like, "Hey, I'm in over my head. I need some help." And I was like, "Yeah, let's meet up." And that's how it that's how it, that's how it became what it is today. Okay, good enough. So Darren Lute, uh, yeah, he, he I have him on uh, this show from time to time. He's a tough customer. Uh, he walks softly, but he carries a big epistemic stick. Yeah, he's a good guy. We've been emailing back and forth lately, so yeah, I've gotten to know him over then. So, uh, just just um, curious, would you be interested in debating Darren Luke on um, substance dualism? <laughs> Why? Because his uh, guy backed out on him today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was this supposed to be on your show? Yeah. Uh, okay, so are you going to – is that what you guys are going to be talking about? No, we're actually going to be talking about uh, demonstrating – can Christians demonstrate their claims basically? Kind of like what we're doing. Okay, kind of like what we're doing. Great. So uh, you are a substance dualist though, right? Look, man. <laughs> I would say yes. Okay. Right? I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I don't settle on. So I, I don't like to to put labels to myself. Sure. He's open to uh, learning more, you know, and seeing where the evidence leads. Sure. Yeah. So. So would, would you say you lean towards substance dualism? Of course. Great. Then uh, we've got the ingredients right there. Look, we'll talk. Uh, put a pin in that. <laughs> we'll t- <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been promising my audience a debate uh, on substance dualism, and Darren has been uh, prepared, but he keeps losing co-hosts. Wow. So Sorry uh, to hear, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, that's the nature of the game. 
It is the nature of the game. <laughs> it's like it's like I couldn't deny you a third time when you were like, "Hey, come on, come on, come on," and because uh, I know I already backed out on a couple of them because I got the last one. I got into a car accident like two days before I was supposed to meet up with you. Right, and talk about a terrible excuse for canceling. I mean, come on, man, make it a plane <laughs> crash if you're going to cancel a podcast. Yeah, it doesn't matter that my battery was in the radiator, you know, and right. I was I suffering mean, whiplash. Look, we all have car crashes and whiplash. Come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, anyway, yeah, look, I'm, I'm glad that you're better, and uh, I'm really glad to have you uh, here today, Sim- uh, simply because our guests don't uh, know who you are exactly. Let's take a few moments to just figure out who you are before we dive into the topic, shall we? Um, so you are a Christian. You would, you would identify as a Christian, right? Absolutely. Okay, so you have no hesitancy there. No. Okay, so that's good. Uh, that's a label you don't mind having. You were just saying you don't like labels. Let's see if we can uh, attach a few more to you. You know, it's more, you know, it's it's kind of like the labels that, you know, you're in Christendom, you know, like, you know, people harp too much and they get too upset about things like Calvinism and Arminianism, which is our big deals there. But, yeah. you know, that that's that's more or less what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh, would you call yourself a Calvinist? No. Arminian? Ah, more Mullinist Mullinist, and traditionalist. All right. I lean more there. Uh, Traditionalist. That's that's an interesting interesting, uh, word. How do you feel about conservative? What do you mean by conservative? You know, conservative as opposed to liberal. More Are you talking about politics? No, no, no. Religion. I don't care about your politics. Okay. Uh, religiously speaking, would you say that you're more religiously conservative, uh, kind of middle of the road, a little bit to the left? How would how would you put, place yourself there? Wow, I, I wouldn't even know because I don't even consider it, you know, liberal and conservative in that in that degree. I would I would probably be more conservative than anything if if I were to give it a label. I, yeah, that's a good question though. Okay, I would say I would say more conservative to moderate. Okay, and uh, just a couple of uh, level-setting questions here. They're off-topic, but just to just to kind of help sure, me no, in the audience kind of figure figure out. So this this is not a trap. I'm not trying to trap you. Oh no, it's fine. I'm just trying to figure it out because Christianity is so broad. Um, you know, I I just finished talking to a Christian that would deny the deity of Christ. Oh wow! Right. Okay. So I've I've got to kind of figure out where you know where in the spectrum we're talking about okay um so uh that said um i mean it's pretty easy for you all atheists don't believe in god <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you can, you can figure that out uh but there's no way to say you know what you know what the what kind of christian sure. we're dealing with just by saying christian so that said yeah. uh the bible would you say that the bible is um inerrant or uh, the the word of God, uh, maybe words about God, um, written written from a human perspective, um, f- fully inspired, partially inspired. Kind of where do where do you see the, the the Bible? All right, so I'll give you an apologist since you're pretty up and up on all these things. Yes, uh, I'm more close to what Michael Lacona would would uh, hold to on inerrancy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Mike's a good guy. I like him. Yep. I like him a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I disagree with him a lot. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah, yeah, but I <laughs> but I like him a lot. Uh, he was yeah. uh, he was a great guest on the show. Um, yeah, glad you mentioned it. Everyone, go back to uh, season one and uh, listen to our conversation with Mike Lacona. Uh, 
he's a he's a worthwhile uh, guy. So, mm-hmm. all right, that uh, that gives us a little bit. I don't want to go uh, too far down the rabbit hole. I just want to kind of get a sense of who I'm talking to, so uh, to see what kind of arguments I, I need to make oh, and shape okay. down the road. You know, so you got a little category list, a little table. Okay, if if he's this way, I'm going to say this. <laughs> well, I wish I was that organized, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's the idea. All right, all right, all right um, I got you. Yeah. So, well, I mean, honestly, if if you don't take the Bible literally, why make a bunch of literalist arguments that are that you're just going to feel are straw man? Well, I hear you. I hear you. I, so, I understand. Uh, um, so that said, uh, our topic today: testing God. Oh, so we're not going to the Abraham uh, test like you gave to Titus, huh? No, <laughs> not yet. We're a little not early yet. in the notes. No. I mean, that's that's a. Uh, I'm teasing you, man. Go yeah, ahead. no, no, that's a. Uh, that comes up later in the podcast. Oh, does it? All okay. right, we got yeah, it. Early. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're just getting started here. Yeah. Um, right. testing God. Uh, is is that even a reasonable thing to say? Um, is it possible? Uh, for God to be tested. Does God even want to be tested? Uh, atheists like myself uh, talk a lot about evidence uh, for God and coming up with tests to see if the God proposition uh, is real or not. And we're usually thinking about uh, empirical kinds of tests uh, for that. And uh, we get frustrated by Christians who say, no, God... God can't be tested that way. He's not a lab experiment. Uh, he's not a vending machine. He's not this. He's not that. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and yet, it seems that uh, Christians do want to talk about proofs and evidences for God and so forth. It should be con- convincing. And so it's, it's a very confusing feel, uh, actually, when you talk to Christians for a while. And so I just wanted to uh, see if we couldn't get um, some, some clarity on the subject of testing God. It's a big subject. We're not going to cover it all. There's a blog post uh, that you can find at skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Who knows? Uh, perhaps David Russell will write a response to that, and I will include that. Uh, if he doesn't, too bad. He's a busy man. Um, <laughs> so with that, I'm just going to take a few moments to uh, make an opening case and I don't exactly know what claim I'm making. I, I think if I'm... <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to have a conversation if you don't know what you're making? We're going to figure it out in the next five or ten minutes. <laughs> All right, man. Um, Let's do it. I think that the claim that I am making is that God should be testable and that the claims of Christianity should be testable. And I, I think that's the only case I'm going to make right now. So I'm going to I'm going to start with um the question of does God even want to be tested. So this is this is one of these things that Christians and skeptics go back and forth on. Uh you know, one moment God does want to be tested and he passes all the tests on the next moment no, God doesn't want to be tested, he doesn't work that way. But if we look at the Bible, we do find a God who seems to want to be tested or doesn't mind the concept of uh, demonstrable evidences. So, you know, we might start 
that survey in Psalms 34, 8, uh, where David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Well, taste and see. The idea of that uh, is that you're going to have some kind of uh, evidence that God is what he says he is if you try him. So there's, there's the idea behind that. I don't want to go too much into the poetry here uh, or, or use poetry as evidence for anything, but it seems like this, this is an idea that David feels pretty comfortable with. And there's the, um, there's the evidence provided by Gideon's fleece. Uh, Gideon is the guy who God said, look, take 300 people and uh, destroy this massive army. Uh, so if I can just uh, do a little bit of reading here, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece uh, on a threshing floor. So Gideon, Gideon is kind of saying, yeah, okay, here, show me some proof. So I, I don't have to read the whole thing. I will, though. Um, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing uh, floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request, okay? Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. And this is Judges 6, uh, 36 through 40. Once again, this is a situation where God was asking uh, something of a person, and a person said, yeah, God, great. Can you show me some ID? And God did. Um, Another, my favorite example uh, of this in the Bible, so I will uh, read this one as well. Uh, Ahab sent messengers to all the Israelites and had the prophets assemble at Mount Carmel. Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? If the Lord is the true God, then follow him. But if Baal is, follow him. But the people did not say a word. Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let them bring us two bulls. Let them choose one of the bulls for themselves, cut it up into pieces, and place it on the wood. But they must not set it on fire. I will do the same to the other bull and place it on the wood. But I will not set it on fire. Then you will invoke the name of your God, and I will invoke the name of, uh, of the Lord. The God who responds with fire will demonstrate that he is the true God. And here's my favorite part of this whole thing. All the people responded, this will be a fair test. I love this this idea of a test. Here's a test. It's a very practical test. It's a very public test. It's a very visible test. And and it's proposed as a test. And the people say, yeah, that sounds fair. It seems that God, at least at this time, wasn't opposed to a fair public test. And then we get in the New Testament, and uh, we don't find Jesus engaging in those kinds of tests so much. I don't want to leave that impression. But he did do a lot of what the writers called signs and wonders. And uh, on one occasion in John 10, when he was talking to 
the Pharisees, they got exasperated with him and said, look, are you the Messiah or not? Just, just speak plainly. Stop with all these riddles. Uh, and uh, on that occasion, uh, Jesus uh, had a little bit more to say, and it sounded like he was saying that he was God. They picked up uh, stones to stone him. And uh, Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Now, I assume this means miracles, okay? Not just that he fed poor people. I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? So, again, another interesting story I'm, I'm not going to go into. But, it, again, it just looks like a Bible uh, that is presenting a God who does not mind demonstrating himself to the people he is asking to uh, to follow him. Now, what about today? So that's the Bible. So we've got um, these days, when I talk about uh, miracles and proofs of God, uh, I get Keener's uh, two-volume uh, Big Book of Miracles thrown at me, and really, you don't want to have that giant tome thrown at you. Um, it's, it's big, a lot of reading. I haven't read it. Uh, I've read some summaries and things like that, but what, the only thing that you need to know about that book now is that Christians today, at least some Christians, especially the evidentialists, um, believe that God is still giving these demonstrations of miracles, uh, and so again, they can't really say, well, God doesn't work that way when they're, when you know, we've got a big book of miracles saying that God does. Sometimes Christians cite prayer studies uh, as an example of God um, working that way. Uh, and, and then sometimes they say that prayer studies don't work that way. It depends on how the study went. So, uh, yeah, does God work that way? Does God want to be tested? That would be the first uh, thing I would say if we're looking at what modern Christians mostly say today, and if we're looking at the biblical text, yeah, I think it is reasonable to expect a God who can be tested. Now, what if God doesn't want to be tested? What if what if the uh, Christians are right, that God really doesn't work that way, that he doesn't um, show signs of himself to people who ask for uh, proofs? What does that say about God? Well, you know, what does it say about any product or any person who refuses to prove their claims? Uh, so I, as, as a writer, uh, there, there are lots of kinds of writing that I have done and I haven't. I've, I've written a lot in the tech world. And I can tell you one of the great truths about the tech world is when you have a major company releasing a major product and they refuse to give review units to uh, the tech press, the product is crap. That's great. There is a reason why they do not want that product reviewed like every other product. Um, so I've never done any movie reviews. Uh, always thought that would be fun. Uh, but the same is true there. I mean, when a studio releases a movie and they refuse to give um, uh, screeners to reviewers, th don't go to the movie. Just save yourself. Unless it's just some kind of cult film and people are going to go anyway. Just don't go. It sucks. <laughs> There's a reason why people are trying to hide things from uh, reviewers. You know, if someone makes a, a claim on the internet uh, or they're trying to sell you something and there's no trial period or anything like that, don't buy it. There's a, there's a reason why they don't want to show you a demonstration or let you test for yourself the claims. Uh, is it fair to say that if a God 
uh, asks you to give your life for him and he refuses to give you demonstrable claims that you should run the other way. I think that's fair. I suspect the other David on the podcast thinks it's not. <laughs> uh, but I would, I would just offer that uh, as, as a part of the proposition. So what I, what I expect David to tell me, what I expect him to tell I don't know what he's going to tell me, folks. I'll find out when you do. Uh, what I expect him to tell me is that God does not, uh, in fact, offer empirical proofs of his existence for people who don't believe. So what is the best evidence uh, for Christianity. And in my blog post, I listed six claims. Um, you know, these are random claims. I, I just kind of wrote them down. I was like, when I didn't stop, stop and think about it for a long time, uh, I could have given you a list of 100. Uh, the six claims, God exists. Uh, Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus, along with nine other people, rose from the dead. Uh, the Bible is a holy book inspired by God. Uh, and is the word of God uh, in in some way, that prayer is effective uh, and that we live forever in some sort uh, of afterlife when we die. Do Christians have, what is the best evidence for these claims, if if not empirical? Uh, so I want to hear from uh, David on that. Uh, if, if we can't, if we can't see it in a lab or in some uh, sensory way, how, how are we supposed to see it? Um, and I would also add that each claim has to have its own corresponding evidence. Uh, so one of the favorite um, ploys of many Christians is to try to prove one claim and say that since this one is true, all the rest must be true as well. Um, that's, a, that's a con man's tactic, <laughs> actually. Uh, so if I am offering you a product um, and I make three magnificent claims about it and I can prove one of them, that doesn't mean the other two are true. Uh, you should probably not buy the product if I only demonstrate one of the features. Um, so that said, look, more to say. We will say it as we go, but I'm going to stop right now and uh, hand the microphone over to Dr. Mr. Right. Doctor. Doctor. No, not even close, brother. Mr. <laughs> Doctor. I think I that know, was going to stick. Um and yeah. uh, see what he has to say. David Russell, take the mic. Take as long as you like. Oh, man. I don't even know where you want me to begin, man. And like, hey, you took all the fun out of it when you started listing things like, uh, you know, I was just going to say, hey, man, why don't we just stop the podcast right now? And you take 30 days and just pray. Maybe do some fasting. Not too much because I don't want you to drop dead. But, you know, do some fasting and just see if those proofs would come to you. <laughs> but uh yeah you took that you took that thunder man when you said about the prayer test man that was that was great but yeah there i, I don't know if those things work either uh but i do agree with you on some things you know um when it comes to the bible we do see a book where there are miracles um god says in malachi three ten that test me in this way so god does want to be tested when it comes to certain things but I think the most reasonable thing is, is that God wants to be tested in accordance to his will on his terms. And, and that, I think the reasonable thing to conclude is that he's God. If he says do it this way and you don't want to test him in any other ways and you're, or you want to test him in other ways, then he's not going to respond. 
And there is truth to the Christian that tells you, hey, God's not a vending machine. I don't think we would feel good if people were using us like a vending machine. So, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it has to do with purpose. Um, one thing you mentioned that the Bible's full of miracles and God asks for all these tests, but there's usually always a purpose to these tests. There's usually always an uh, end goal. There's usually always a part of his plan that's being revealed. So, yeah, I mean, was there ever a point in time where all these miracles happened back to back? Those miracles aren't normative things. They don't happen all the time. They're not – the Bible's full of it because it's telling us the story to help us aid us in our belief because even Jesus said there's going to be people that believe off the word of my apostles. So there's a lot going on here, and I think if we if we dive into each separate part here, we could probably break it down a little bit better. What do you think? Okay, so uh, can can we take a handful of uh, examples and break them down? Well, sure. I mean, okay. if you like. Sure. I wasn't prepared to do that, but it sounds like fun. Yeah, um, sure. So let's start with uh, one that we've got uh, in front of us already that I've already mentioned, uh, Gideon. Uh, and the magic fleece. So, I mean, God chooses Gideon for a purpose, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there's there's something very specific that God wants to do here. Although mm-hmm. I would argue that God does not need Gideon. He, he doesn't. Gideon is just stagecraft. Uh, I'm going to take this one guy, and I'm going to take 300 people, and I'm going to uh, defeat you know an army of thousands. Yeah, um, of course. But God could have defeated the army of thousands just by making them drop dead. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't need an army. Uh, you know, what what does God need with an army? Um, right. So right. God doesn't. God doesn't actually need Gideon uh, for this thing. And when Gideon mouths off to God, you know, one of God's mo's would be to just destroy Gideon and call on the next guy in line. Hey, do you want this honor? <laughs> right. You know, right. and just keep going, find some pauper on the street. Hey, you want to lead an army? Sure. <laughs> he wouldn't be much of he wouldn't be much of a god if he couldn't get a hold of Gideon though. So I I I look at this a, a lot different. I mean, he chose Gideon. He had a purpose. He chose Gideon. And Gideon responded. So there there's a purpose right, to but it Gideon all. Gideon responded yeah. with uh, who are you and Doubt? why should I believe you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was scared, you know? I'm, he's leading an army. He was a humble guy. But God chose him, and so he did do, it. <laughs> do I have to lead an army uh, for God to, to give me um, empirical evidence of, of him? No, like, absolutely not. No, but, I mean, there is a purpose and a plan to these miracles. And just because one guy has it done one way— and God chooses not to do it some way for another doesn't mean he doesn't exist or do, doesn't mean he uh, is held to the same standard in that way. Well, it seems unfair uh, because Gideon well, I mean, had, that's, Gideon, a, that's, that's a preference, right? Well, what, unfairness? <laughs> yeah, you know, your fairness. Well, you think it's unfair. I don't, I don't have a problem with how he reveals himself in my life. Have you ever, you know, have you ever you seen have, a miracle or have any uh, evidences of God that were very convincing to you? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, but absolutely. I have then I have not. That's unfair. That, but that's but maybe you're the ones that Christ prayed for and said, "Blessed are those that believe on the the basis of the the testimony that's given." But don't you see that that's two different kinds of that's two standards? You know, there's yeah. the Gideon standard, 
who can be a guy that God calls and he doubts and, and he asks for a miracle. God gives it to him and then he doesn't believe still. He asks for another one. You know, there's that guy. And then there's you who says, oh, no, God has given me uh, many convincing proofs. And then there's me uh, still waiting on some convincing proof. And you're saying it's all equal. It's not all equal. Well, what, what does it have to be it equal in, in that, that way? I don't see why, why it would. Well, so I don't, I don't think I would be convinced by the fleece trick. Uh, but, I don't think you'd be convinced no matter what. Well, but, well, but that's not fair. I, won't, I at well, least I want the um, option of saying, yeah, okay, God, you want me to give my life to you. Uh, let's, let's set up a couple of tests so I can make sure of who I'm dealing with. Yeah, but are you sure those? You said the fleece one when it when it worked for you. So you're gonna have to ask for another test, obviously. So, right. yeah. Right. So, so I, I don't know what would convince you at that point. What are you asking of God? Are you gonna start using them like a vending machine to satisfy your desire to to believe? At minimum, I'm going to ask him <laughs> for some convincing proofs, like Gideon did. Now I don't know what those proofs are. I don't think that, because God's not talking to me for one. So you know, in this case, God was talking to Gideon. There's one well, proof right there. <laughs> so. Well, David, David, you already don't believe. So, are you really asking him for these convincing proofs? Are you are you seeking him in prayer? Are you doing what Jesus says to uh, to receive the Holy Spirit? So, during the entire month of March, uh, I, <laughs> during the entire month You're of March, my line, <laughs> yes, it's true. During the entire month of March, I went through uh, a seeking God. Uh, campaign uh, where I did all of those things and more. I just haven't documented them yet, but uh, I've, I've talked about it on and off. Uh, the fact is, I was a Christian for uh, most uh, mostly the first forty years of my life. Uh, so we're this is not not over forty. I'm I'm I'll be fifty in April. No way, bro! Yeah. Like your picture on here that I see, man, you look like you're like in your thirties, dude. Did I say? Early. Did I imply that that picture was from this decade? <laughs> did I? You did not. I'm just guessing. <laughs> just guessing. <laughs> it was. You know, it was the last. It was you know? the last great picture of me. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. So it was a picture of me. It was. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. I. I do think. Um, after all of that time, of faithful service. I mean, let, let's not. Let's not go to the time after I lost my faith. We can talk about the time when I was an evangelist uh, for for Jesus, uh, asking for various signs. It seemed, seems like a fair idea, and it would have taken so much less back then than it would take for me today. So Jesus could have provided that. Uh, he did not. Uh, when I was in the process of losing my faith and begging like you wouldn't believe, on my knees, um, face down in the mud sometimes, begging, crying out, um, nothing. Uh, and even since that time, uh, I, have, I have often reached out, uh, if you will, if, if, there, if there is something out there, if you are out there, let's assume that I have mistook uh, who you are and your characteristics, um, let me know. Uh, and so, yeah, the fact that God chooses to bolster uh, the faith and confidence of some and ignore the cries of others does seem unfair. 
and I don't think that I am less important than Gideon. I and never it, said it, you were, okay, yeah. But if, I mean, but if God thinks that I'm less important than Gideon to his great plan, my response is mostly screw that guy. Because I'm not less important than Gideon. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, I hear you there. Uh, I don't know your heart, man. I don't know what's in your heart. So it's kind of hard to assess why maybe you missed a sign, maybe you missed something, or maybe you are one of those people that God said, hey, look, I've done this, this, and this. Trust all my disciples and their testimony. Okay, but you're right. So, but you're you know, just going back to there's good evidence and there's bad evidence, and I've got you in the bad evidence uh, control group. Of course. I mean, you're not, you're not going to believe because you think that evidence is bad, obviously. Um, well, I think but it's not one as thing good that, you know, as the other. <laughs> I do I do have have your, your blog post here, mm-hmm. and one thing I did want to say outright, and I wanted to kind of like knock this out as, as before we got any further, is that I saw a part where it says you were, you're met with indignation, and I take I take that I take offense to that from my own side because you should never be met with that indignation. You should be met with conversations like this, and you should be met with uh, gentleness and respect. I take that that to heart because I do truly believe that people really want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. Mm-hmm. And that's and I've always lived my life by that. So outright, I think it's wrong that you were met with any indignation or any of you skeptics or seekers are met with the indignation. I apologize on the behalf of all Christians. <laughs> but I, you're not going to get that you, from me. <laughs> but I don't forgive all Christians. <laughs> so. that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that, though. That is a that is a very gracious um, thing to say. And I. I note that uh, much to your credit. Um, but so this is this is one kind of miracle that the Bible has, and there are a few examples of this. I just in the survey of miracles, though, the prophet of Baal uh, versus Elijah. That really is my favorite episode. I really love in this story the way Elijah goes off on this polemic taunting. Uh, you know, of, of the other God, you know, cry louder. <laughs> maybe you should beat yourselves, beat yourselves harder. Maybe, maybe you're not bleeding enough. Maybe it's your God. Maybe your God's ears are so floppy, you know, he can't hear you. <laughs> um, maybe he's on the toilet. Um, you know, he, he just goes on this, this campaign of mockery um, for the other guy's uh, gods because their god wasn't performing as expected immediately. Does that sound <laughs> familiar at all? <laughs> because um, <laughs> You're crazy, we, dude. we skeptics, <laughs> we skeptics, you. especially me, have often gone on these uh, mockery campaigns, and Christians have said that's not fair. <laughs> That's <laughs> not fair to uh, right. expect God to behave the way you want him to exactly in the time frame you want him to. Well, Elijah expected that of Baal, um, yeah. and he thought that mockery was a good idea uh, there. And ultimately, God did come through and um, you know back up Baal's claims. Doesn't that kind of set a type of expectation that Christians simply can't bear these days? In certain places, 
you know, I, I heard, you know, I, 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 you were talking about the book, the miracle book earlier, but uh, there's also a lot of claims that there are these miracles that are happening in other parts of the world, you know, and like you said earlier, well, it's kind of, you know, the camera are rare or what have you. Um, but there are these reports and there are witnesses to these reports. So I, I don't know if they're true. And, but all I do know is that, you know, the miracles that are described, even the one you just described about Elijah and, and the, and the prophets of Baal, they had, they had this purpose. They had this, they had, you know, and it's never happened again. So they're not normative things. These miracles are these signs. They're not normative. They don't happen all the time. Matter of fact, you know, we get periods where they don't happen at all. So I, I don't think this is like a standard proof for God's existence. You know, I don't think this is a standard proof that says that this is this discounts God's existence. Okay. So I'm gonna you go know what ahead. I mean? I'm gonna give you I'm gonna throw a bone your way. Go ahead. All right. Um I agree with you, actually. So anyone who reads the Bible and follows it knows that there are periods sometimes of hundreds of years that God isn't speaking to the people. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no, you know, they, they forget who God is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been so long between times. All God is is a and, story to them. Yeah. Well, not even that, but like it, they really have no lasting effect to the people's hearts. I mean, they turned against him. Like even even the Israelites, if you're looking at that account, they gripe and they complain, you know, all the time. And this is after like the Red Sea parted, you know. So right. I mean, it's just you see all this stuff. But I, but I, I don't actually yeah. believe any of these stories. Of course, so of when, course. It, one of the reasons I don't believe them, though, just so you know, is that the people are not responding the way I think actual humans would respond uh, to. These types of things, if they were really happening, so these these things are great for a story, but they they're not very good descriptions of how real people really act. I don't know about that. I th I, I would that's where we disagree. Yeah, we I think we definitely disagree there. Honestly, I, I think, think I think, I think we've disagreed apathy, before. That. I think <laughs> you know the funny thing is is like I think apathy can sneak in at in right. and just deaden you. I mean, depression, things happen. Yeah. So I, 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 just from my personal standpoint. Right. But, uh, so I don't want to go too far off topic, but when... Um, yeah, that's fine. When, no, no, that's okay. When, the, um, when Jesus was doing all of the miracles with his uh, disciples, it, it wasn't just Jesus doing miracles. At one point, he took, uh, in fact, at two, two different occasions, he took out the seven or sent out the 70 and then the 72, so two different occasions, lots of disciples out on their own doing miracles and wonderful works. Um, and on one occasion, uh, Jesus takes them uh, into a room where, you know, they watch him raise a dead person. Just a few weeks after that, uh, when Jesus crucified, it's, it's like they forgot that they raised dead people. They, I mean, they just forgot. I, they for, they forgot that they had magical powers. They forgot, you know, they, they weren't thinking even a part of their brain that maybe we should just sit out here um, where the tomb is and see if Jesus really comes out of it. Um, you know, maybe just keep up a three-day visual since he said it was going to come out. They just, they forgot everything 
that they were doing. I I don't believe those stories are real because people yeah, but, simply wouldn't forget that magic came out of their fingers a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's neither here nor there. The disciples didn't believe in who he was. So once their source of power was dead, that's why they scattered. They, just like you know, when the leader goes, the people scatter. I mean, that's just it just happens all the time. Or they they you know you'll find pockets of them just like. You know, they were meeting in different places, but their source of power, they believed, was gone. They didn't – I mean, you got to see there's more to the story than them just say, oh, our magic powers have stopped. A, their their magic powers, so to speak, were given to them by Christ. He's, so once he's gone – told them that he was going to die and rise again. Yeah, uh, but none of – it also states clearly that they didn't, they didn't understand that. They had a whole different concept of who this Messiah was going to be. So no matter how many times he told them, you know, what his will is or what the father's will is, they'd always they'd always do the exact opposite. And, it, and even to the point where Peter gets called Satan. So once again, you see this part, stuff part happening. of why I don't I, I don't I don't believe the stories. You see this stuff happening in stories. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. These stories, right. Sure. So they're relevant to the conversation. And you're saying you, you know you're saying that these are not how real people react. I've seen people react. Nothing surprises me, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing surprises me in this world. It would surprise so, me. I'm just saying. I think I would be shocked but, if but, someone but again, if someone raised a dead person from the ground <laughs> or off off of the uh, you know out of ICU. You know, they died, the, flatlined, and then they just. Pray and put their hands on them. They're not going to forget the next day that they could do that. <laughs> yeah, for you. For, yeah, but they, you know, I don't know if they raised them. Jesus was the one that was like bringing the dead back to life. But again, once that power source was cut for them, they didn't think they had that power anymore. Oh. And even even that time when they had this power, it wasn't sufficient enough. So what type of doubts crept into their mind? And we can speculate on all this stuff, but it's mere speculation. What would he get you to believe would be something totally different? Some, and I don't know what that is. Well, I don't know. But does it? But does it? But does it? Does it mean that God doesn't work? No, I don't think so. Well, okay. I, so I just I think these stories are silly. outlandish. <laughs> yes. So so you but, don't believe in them. <laughs> but the thing the thing about the prophet of Baal uh, and Elijah story that I wanted to just pull out there. Uh, even though, uh, yes, I agree with you. This is not normative uh, in the Bible. That's that's why it's spectacular. Um, although there are a number of examples like this in the Bible, let's just be clear. But if you read the narratives between these examples, you'll you'll see that in some cases a lot of time has passed. Um, so that said, uh, God clearly can uh, raise Himself up in a generation. Uh, a generation of skeptics where it seems that the the devil and his forces have overrun society and he can raise himself up and say, look, I'm still here. Uh, and so if he can do that once, I don't see why he shouldn't, in fact, do that for every generation. I don't I don't see why one generation should get that. And then 20 or 30 generations go by and. Uh, and all God is is a vague story. That that doesn't seem right to me. I, I see what you're saying, but that's again, I, I'm not everywhere in the world, and I'm not saying that I know I, I don't think there's 
much going on like that in the States. I do think there are people that are experiencing things here, but I think there's a lot of people experiencing things around the world too. I still think God is moving in that way. Even if you don't, maybe you don't see it, or maybe if it's not documented, maybe it's a personal way, maybe it's not like a Gideon way, but you never saw the prophets of Baal happen ever again in history. Just like there's, you know, usually a miracle is very specific, very detailed, and it doesn't usually happen again. Lazarus didn't keep getting raised over and over and over again, you know, or the Jairus' daughter. But, yeah, I mean, I... I just don't I don't think this is a I don't think this is a really good argument to to use against the existence of God. And I'm sure you probably agree with that. Well, uh, you you uh, you wound me. I, I thought this was an excellent argument. Let me dig deeper. <laughs> um, well, I think it's an excellent <laughs> argument on a subjective level. And we have to divide it into several different subsets because we're talking about stories that are coming from the Bible that one person believes and the other person doesn't believe in, but we still have to talk about them. Then we're talking about like, how the, how does this correspond in reality? Do these things really happen? And we'd have to go through so many different miracle claims and test each one. And we obviously don't have time for stuff like that, sure. but, and, and I can't say that it's not going on somewhere else. I, uh, funny story, funny story. Okay. And this, 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 this is harken back to the, the idea that, you know, we still don't believe, even though we may have experienced something. Okay, I would. We no raised doubt. dead people yesterday. <laughs> we still don't I, believe. I, I right? Go ahead. More yesterday, and I raised everybody in there. No, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm totally kidding. No. Funny. The funny story is. The funny story is, I when I was a early Christian, I was in a Word of Faith movement, a Pentecostal. Oh, oh yeah, no, I know who uh, they are. Okay, who they are. All right, so no need to be, no more need to be said about that. Um, and you know, we were real big on the miracles and you know, name it, claim it, all that stuff. And and I was in the mall and I saw the psychic stand. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I don't want this here type thing. This is not good. So I'm praying. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna march. And I, and I and I think that that I'm being told to march around it like the guys did in Jericho, praying. You know that it and rebuke it, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story, isn't it? So I'm walking around, right? And did you did, did you have times. a trumpet? Just... I did it seven times. I didn't have a trumpet. There's no trumpet, right? But there's prayer, right? So right. I walked around seven times, right, praying, and then literally the next day it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, fast forward about. You know, nine years, and here I am sitting at a table with my cousin, who's an atheist mm-hmm. as well, and he blows every argument I have out of the water. Not like blows it out, like you know, blows it away, but but you know, makes me begin to doubt and and realize that I don't know why I believe this stuff. You know, so that's what that that started me on a whole other journey. You know, to to learn things, and you know, the idea that someone can experience something that could be phenomenal or maybe they could have just went out of business right but to experience that and then to and to experience so many different things like you know things that you can't explain or, or you would consider a miracle or or a, co- a lucky coincidence for some but you know and then be able to to go back to 
that state where you're like, I don't know if I believe anymore. I mean, this does happen. Okay. Could you, could you just do me a favor? Um, <laughs> take a flight to Washington, D.C. Uh, go to 1600 Pennsylvania I Avenue. I don't need to. I am literally like, I work right across the Potomac, man. Oh, so. excellent. Go, go, <laughs> go over there to that big oh. white building and march around it seven times uh, and, and pray the current occupant out of there. Would you, would you do that for me? Sure. <laughs> um, so, um, that would be fantastic. Um, tell me if you join me. Hey, I will happily and, join you if I thought you're going to do it within work. the fence line. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think that I would get anywhere near uh, the place, but I'm circling it in my mind if that if that helps. Um, well, I, mean, you there. I need a demonstration. So, one one other example before we move forward uh, okay. that I think is worth talking about, um, Paul. Okay. Uh, so he's another example of the Bible that really troubles me. Uh, Paul is a uh, a Jew, I, I guess a, a devout uh, Jew, whatever it meant to be a devout Jew at that time, uh, saying that Judaism was kind of a... Are you saying Jews aren't devout these days? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just... <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that, they, yeah, they're not. The, the Jews of Moses' day wouldn't recognize the Jews of today. I agree. It, and I agree. they wouldn't have recognized the Jews of Paul's day either. Uh, I think I think the differences had been were were very, were very big. So we don't. It, it's hard to say what it meant to be a devout Jew at that time. But Paul was that, uh, and on the very conservative end uh, of whatever Judaism was. Well, actually, now that I think about it, it was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were, would have probably been considered more liberals than the Sadducees. Anyway, different conversation. Um, we think of the Pharisees as the very uh, conservative group. I think we're probably wrong about that. But um, <laughs> that said, um, Paul was that. And so he, he, it wasn't that he didn't believe in God. But he didn't believe the Jesus story. Now, what kind of access did Paul have for proof? Uh, well, he was, he was there. He was alive during the time. He heard the stories. He had risen to the ranks in, uh, within the Jews, uh, within the Sanhedrin court, so that he was kind of a, uh, an enforcer. That's, that's what he says about himself anyway. Um, so he goes around persecuting uh, Christians. Uh, in persecuting Christians, he would go to their houses, you know, take them out, kill them. I imagine at some point in his career, he probably questioned them. He would have heard enough about the Christian story to know who Jesus was, know what uh, Christians thought about Jesus, know about the resurrection. I am sure that among those Christians he persecuted, some of them would have gotten out lots of the story before he had their head cut off or what have you. He had, in other words, he had information. And he was inside enough to know that if there was someone who had been buried in this tomb, he could have gone and seen the empty tomb. Uh, that was not convincing to him. He heard the story of many disciples before killing them. That was not convincing to him. In other words, Paul had more access to better evidences than we would today, and he did not believe. And yet, God saw fit to give Paul more evidence and Paul wasn't even looking for it. He didn't even want it. 
And yet God needed Paul for whatever. And so God gave Paul not only convincing evidence initially, but if we are to believe Paul's story, Jesus incarnated, somehow came back to earth, spent three years in Arabia with Paul. Three years. Three years. Look, Jesus, come to me. I've got a few questions. I think I can do it in an hour. He spent three years. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is this is, this uh, is a so very, wh- very on, weird. Go ahead. Yeah, let me just stop you there. So you're saying that Paul and Jesus spent three years together? Yes, that's kind of how the narrative of Paul's story goes, that he left. I've never – man, now you got me checking. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's right, man. I don't think he spent three years with Paul. I think he just, it was that one experience on Damascus, the Damascus, the Damascus Road experience. Well, so I'm thinking about Paul's story that he tells himself in uh, Galatians. Yeah. Okay. Not so the story told about him. Are, okay. Luke. Okay. So right. let's it's, look at Galatians. Let me see what what we where we're at. What chapter? Uh, probably the first one. This is great podcasting. Here, uh, uh, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> I told you we weren't prepared. No, really. Look, uh, look that up. Um, let me uh, let oh, me know. What say. Yeah. Uh, so, Paul. This is how I've heard the story told. Paul spends time with Jesus, and whether it is um, Jesus uh, incarnate or Jesus in vision or. Um, However it is, Paul learns the gospel directly from Jesus. And and so God gives him that confirmation. Um, Paul could have learned the gospel, say, from a gospel preacher. That's not how he learned it. Um, he got it directly from the horse's mouth, as it were. And so God takes a lot of time and effort uh, to make sure that Paul is convinced uh, and ready. Okay. That seems like a level of evidence uh, that most of us simply don't get to have. All right. So what Paul is saying is I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. It never says that he was like spending time with Jesus during that time. You know, the gospel is already going around, and it, he just doesn't tell us who he spent time with in Arabia and so forth. Uh, but he did go back to Jerusalem and learned from Cephas and stayed within fifteen days. Um, and he he already knew the disciples. Because he was already talking about, you know, but I didn't see any of the other apostles except for James. And, you know, so I, he, there's there's a lot to that story. I don't think it was that it's implying that he was like spending time with Jesus during that time. Uh, I think that the only experience is the Damascus Road experience. Okay. I'm because going- it specifically says the God, uh, Jesus was revealed to him. Not like he was like spending time and he was mentoring him, you know. It would it didn't happen that way. So yeah, I mean that would disturb me if like he actually incarnated back and was like, 
yeah, Paul, let's just hang out. But then again, I mean, that all is short to say that if God chose to do that with Paul because he had a specific plan and purpose for Paul, that's his priority, his priority, you know? But, okay. Okay. You there? Yes, I am. I was, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was reading. I appreciate that. You were reading. Okay. Yeah, I was reading. I hope um, I gave you enough time. You want me to talk some more about your prayer experience? You know, you could you could have talked for another thirty seconds and helped a brother out. Oh, um, I, that's okay. I'm, next uh, time, just give me a weird clicking noise, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll know that's the sign. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll work on that. Uh, so yeah, I um I don't know where I got that from. I uh, I've had I've had that for a long. I'm gonna have to read that. I'll put something in the um, notes. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, I, I may have spouted bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's all right, man. It's, it's it's possible. I don't believe it. I think, I think I'm just <laughs> missing something very quick here in the heat of the moment. Um, but at any rate, yes. Um, half a point to you. Uh, full point to me. Um, <laughs> he's still... <laughs> you're, I gave you a half a point. Come on, what do you want? Um, so the, uh, the bigger point is that God marks Paul out specifically after Paul would have presumably had all of the evidences he would have needed. This is, this is a particular sticking point for me because what Christians tell me is, uh, you know, they give me, they give me the types of evidences they give me. And I say to them, but yeah, but Paul would have had access to all of that. I mean, but uh, and, if, you, and, if that's, sure? and if that's not the reason that, Paul believed, why should it be the reason that I believe? Well, I mean, are you sure he had access to all that stuff? Uh, he had access, obviously, to the disciples and learned from them about the things that, Je you know, things that Jesus did and stuff like that, and, right. and he so believed. He, so he would have had the stories. So he would have but, had but the even, testimony of the eyewitnesses. Right, but even before, right, he had the stories, but he had that before he was crucifying Christians. Yeah, but, but, but you also got to realize that all Christians claim to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, and that's you know that's that's their their that's where you know conversion takes place, right? Uh, well, okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, yeah, but but what, what I, I mean, but the point I'm making is that he knew about the stories that were being circulated. Uh, are you sure? And I he, mean, he could have been in Rome. He could have been in Rome getting his Roman citizenship during all that time, or or studying under that his uh, mentor at that time, and not even heard much about it just yeah. heard about this new religion popping up so you know? i'm just you gonna know. i'm gonna call ps on that and say that he was not on a campaign of killing christians without knowing who christians were well he did know who they were once once he got back of course he probably knew who they were but how do you know he was around to see all those things that those christians were claiming well, i'm not saying that he was but i'm that's my point i'm not saying that he saw you know miracles or what have you but he yeah. at least knew the stories and didn't believe them and he would have. How do you know? How do you know he, he was knew killing all them. the stories? Like, okay, so they had, like I said, you, you had a, a huge split. I mean, a lot of the Jews didn't believe the stories either. So, I mean, Paul just happened to have an experience. I don't see where that's a problem, though. But it's a problem because I'm expected to believe on the basis of the stories. On the so same, were those Jews the, that rejected him. Right. Uh, expected to believe on the basis of the same stories that Paul rejected. Again, but, 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 Paul, but again, Paul was but, given something else that the others weren't given. 
He was given an additional experience. Well, if you call it an additional experience, it's a different kind of experience. Absolutely. But it's still, I mean, every Christian claims they have some sort of experience and encounter with the Holy Spirit when they're saved. Okay, I disagree with that, I, uh, okay. because I didn't. Okay. So um, so we will get to that. Uh, but I just, I, I wanted to so, put so Paul's how did story— So how did you get to believe it in the first place? Well, let, let me just ask you that. So we'll get to that, I, I promise. Okay. I just wanted, I want to close off this section of looking at specific biblical stories, which is what you suggested okay. we do earlier. And I wanted to finish off with a Paul story, because the Paul story is a particularly egregious example to me of an individual who— uh, it seems to me would have had access to uh, the best evidence of the time. He didn't accept it, and he was given more evidence that he could accept. That seems unfair. Now, you you might have a different view of that, but I'm I'm saying from a from my perspective, a guy who's reading the Bible and looking at these stories and looking at my own situation, I, it seems like God needed Paul more than he needed me. He, he wanted Paul badly enough to overlook Paul's rejections and give Paul enough evidence to overcome his objections. And he, okay. and he doesn't do the same for me. Okay. So I understand. You, I understand. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I just think that, you know, again, you know, God had a purpose for Paul. He has a purpose for you. Maybe you'll experience him in a different way. Maybe you'll be the ones that do believe. Maybe you'll be the one that does believe based off the testimony, you know. Or maybe you'll be the one that gets a Damascus Road experience as soon as we're done hanging up this phone call. I don't know. But okay, but I say that I think God knows me well enough to know that I'm not going to be one who believes all the testimony. So, you know, I, I would think that God could pick better. Yeah, and you know that you know that's. Part and parcel to say that, you know, what about all those Jews that had the same access as Paul did that did not believe? They chose not to believe. I agree. So with you that. either you, you're given this evidence, you choose to believe it or not. Right. But I, I agree with that. I, I actually do yeah. think that is a, uh, a valid argument. It's just not one that I was making today. Two but... points for me. <laughs> well, two points <laughs> for you for making a, a better argument for me than me. I mean, yes, I do believe that all of those Jews who did not believe, and we can, we can talk about the nature of the resurrection. Maybe we'll do, this, uh, do that some other time. But I, I do believe that Jesus was very, uh, let's say, uh, selective about his resurrection appearances, very selective um, for, for the people that he would show himself to and give uh, certain evidence to. And most of the people he didn't select were the average people or even religious leaders. Uh, most of the Jews, they simply did not have an opportunity to experience the the best evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Yeah. The, I think that was unfair. Okay. I, 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 hey, I hear you, man. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I mean, it may seem unfair, but he was selective for a reason. And it, it, as long as he has a purpose to do what he's doing, and he is God, then, you know, I mean— what can I say? <laughs> he that, was selective. That he sounds was like your Molodism talking. <laughs> it is, but <laughs> but uh, but you know, he is selective in who he saw in what he does. I mean, look at the the guy that supposedly, you know, uh, was demon possessed by legion, right? Right. 
he wanted to follow, and he said, "No, no, go back to your town." And then that's how that's how that's how the guy served him. He went back to his town and told the people. So I mean, there's different purposes. People have different experiences, and that's just I just see that as. And it comports to reality for me because I had a different experience than you did. You had a different experience than my pastor. And, you know, and Matt Delaney had a totally different experience than William Lane Craig. So, I mean, it's just we all have different experiences. And I'm not going to, like, judge one more fair than the other because I think my own is unique to my own story. Okay. Well, I I do judge them, though, on the Uh basis of – one person gets so an experience your, that's convincing so, to them, and another person does not get an experience convincing to them. So you're 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 being judgmental. I see. Yes, you're yes. intolerant, dude. I, no, I well, yes, I'm intolerant <laughs> of <laughs> this. Is true. Um, yes. So, but I just want to be uh, clear. I'm not saying that every person uh, should be knocked off their horse on the way to Damascus because honestly, I don't have any travel plans to Damascus. So, yeah, well, not only that, but like some people would actually like become invalids if they fell off a horse. Right. So that's that's probably not a good method for most people. But yeah. the point still remains that it was a convincing method for Paul, and everyone deserves their own convincing method. Whatever. Well, that I, is. I did. I got that. I got that for me. Exactly, and, I, and I'm not I'm not spending any time um, yeah. arguing against that. Now, I I think I could, but it it's meaningless. It's <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if it is meaningless because every Christian I've ever talked to has had something that convinced them, and that would be the convincing evidence that convinced them. Okay, so we're we're going to get to that, like I keep promising. But I'm I'm telling you, of all of the the rest of the people out here are saying no, we don't, we haven't had any convincing evidence. Yeah. And that's the part that seems unfair, because if what you're saying is that all of the people who follow God have had some kind of convincing evidence, then even that should sound to you like something is going on. Either that some or, people are getting convincing evidence and other people are not. Either that or what else could be going on could be, you know, people are getting saved every day. So somebody's having an experience somewhere that's convincing them and then they're no longer non-believers maybe it's just there's timing there's purpose it, just like we've seen so far as we've been discussing the scriptures um and i you know maybe there's i don't know the condition of people's hearts i don't know i i can't judge what's gonna convince somebody well what you know? condition does a person's heart have to be in to get convincing evidence of of a christian truth claim that I, well I, I think I, I think i've seen several people that will refuse to believe, even if they are shown convincing evidence. I, I just, from my experience, I, I've asked people, hey, if, if Christianity were true, and you, you know, the the evidence was convincing, would you be a Christian? They say no. Okay, I I think you get that. Yeah, I don't I don't buy it. So okay. here's the thing: we don't know uh, what we will believe or won't believe until it happens. We have no idea. I don't I. I will not believe someone's story of an alien abduction. Um, but you know what I would believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's if, got a, if a spaceship came <laughs> down and, and set, set itself down somewhere, because I don't know where it's going to park, um, near my apartment and laser beamed me onto the ship 
and remove my kidneys. I would I would believe I would be a believer. You'd be dead. Well, <laughs> hopefully they replace it with a better robot part. Um, so. Artificial, like the Repo Man, right? Yeah, I mean, um, they, no, no. The thing is, is what you're saying to me, and I agree with you on this. There is a subjective, convincing thing that 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 goes on. You haven't experienced it yet. And I don't know if you'll experience. I, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know. And what I mean by condition of the heart is that bitterness that people have that that they're callous to it. What does bitterness you know? and callousness have? I mean, it's it's the, some it's people, the, the, the well, Christmas story some with Scrooge. Against, some people are against it outright. Who cares if they're? I mean, that doesn't. I don't see why that should matter. Uh, I I uh, was referencing the Christmas Carol um, yeah. with uh, Scrooge. Uh, who had a bitterness of heart and was against uh, everything good. And he didn't believe in the ghosts uh, that came to him. But it doesn't matter that he didn't believe. And it doesn't matter that he was crusty. The fact is, there was enough evidence that convinced him uh, eventually. Uh, And he may have said, no, I don't believe in such things. I'm never going to believe in such things. Um, And I I think it's a good parable of, of a lot of things. But in this case... It's a it's a good demonstration that we don't know what we would believe until the moment is on us. And so I can easily say I would never believe in a God, but that's because I have a certain experience with people who do believe in God and their God stories, and it, it sounds like BS to me. But that doesn't mean that I would never believe in a God if there was a convincing evidence of one. Just like I would believe in alien abductions, I could believe in uh, yetis, I could believe in all kinds of things. Uh, we just need... Uh, the convincing evidence for it. And as long as the God is not willing to give me that evidence, I don't see any reason why I should uh, declare even openness to the possibility of believing in it. Well, I mean, if you're not open to it at all, then I, like I said, I don't know. I'm what not open to gravity, but guess what? <laughs> I believe in it. All right, man. <laughs> I've fallen uh, on my butt what, many what times. Hearing, though, <laughs> yeah. And, and what I'm hearing here is that there's this preference of what you, a standard that you have that you hold to that's that would convince you, and everything else about it, you know, if it doesn't meet those standards, it's unfair because there are people that had, uh, you want you want their experience. Yeah, I, look, and, I, and, and, if, and, if God and is willing to reach past say, other people's bitter hearts and other people's doubts uh, to give them the experience, then He could have given the experience to me, especially when, especially when I wasn't bitter. And this is where we we where, where we're going to disagree is that every Christian has had their convincing experience. Okay. Any of them that will tell you that are believers that do believe in God say, "Hey, I've had this. You know, this is why I believe." Okay. They we're have li- their reasons. We're living over convinc- an hour, Mark. I don't want to keep putting this off, but I'm going to put okay. it off. Just yeah. one more topic. Um. So, it, it, let's let me just have you talk to me in the audience for a minute and tell us what types of evidence you think are um, available and that you think should be convincing. So you're telling me that every Christian has had an, a convincing experience. I imagine you've talked to a Christian or two in your lifetime. So what, oh, never, never, ne- never. You should. Yeah, I had a Damascus. I, I fell off a horse <laughs> and actually was blinded by some light and told I was kicking against the goads. Excellent. So tell me, what kind of experience, what kind of experiences are, are you are you referring to when you say that Christians 
all Christians have some kind of convincing experience with the Holy Spirit. What are the types of experiences and evidences that should be veridical? Well, I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, everybody's is different. I mean, I, I won't so be able just to give me some examples. One. Well, I mean, some people have an encounter that they describe as the the Holy Spirit talking to them, or you know touching their heart in a way and and being convinced some people have you know are convinced by knowledge you know ev- the evidences that we you know that that we argue about constantly um okay, they're convinced let me just by interrupt you just a second so when you say arguments and things so you're you're talking I'm being facetious i'm being i'm being funny okay. but what i'm saying is that some people are convinced by the story okay you know some people are convinced by they had a miraculous experience. Can you give me an better. example of a miraculous experience that would have convinced someone? Well, some uh, okay. So I mean, I can say things, and then you yeah, can just say, "Well, you're just straw man in Christianity." So I well, just want to get it from you. It's it's kind of hard to put in the words because you know I don't I don't sit there and document everybody's experience. Well, just one person, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe. Well, how about yours? What was your convincing experience? My, uh, I was driving, and I was driving down this windy road with a group of friends, doing something stupid that I shouldn't have been doing. And around this corner, it's a sharp corner. And when I turned, there's a car dead stop there. I should have hit it at about forty, fifty miles an hour, easy. And the only thing I can see is saying, you know, praying to God, saying, God, don't let this happen. And for some reason, the car stopped. It, it didn't skid. It just it, it, it literally stopped. And all the guys in there, the, the three other people that were with me all had this crazy, you know, experience of like, yeah, this is this is it. And then. The car just stopped, and we all confirmed, like, that's weird. Cars usually skid, you know, and, and you know, this is a weird experience. And, I, and, and, you know, all I remember is that when I cried out to God, it, it, he answered. Okay, so I'm and, not, not going to try to so, pick that story apart just so Of you course, know. it's not, a subjective experience, and there's no way I could prove that to you. Don't worry, I'm not going right? to try to pick that apart. Uh, I'm going to leave that for Darren Lute. Uh, but, but for me, I accept your story at face value. That's fine. Um, and that was convincing to you. Were you already a Christian at the time? No. Okay. So, uh, what was your experience with Christianity before that happened? Because My you said you cried out to God. Yeah. You know, it's superficial faith that, you know, gets passed down to you from, parents and my grandmother was religious and you know you learn a little bit about religion through her but you know just so there was, general, there was just a, some cultural knowledge kind of like about my God. yeah of course yeah okay. absolutely all right and uh, was that true for the friends in the car as well were they uh non-christians no yeah absolutely okay. we we're all we were all <laughs> we we're all going out and doing stupid stuff are they uh, all are stupid. they all christians today just out of curiosity. I'm not sure. I, I, I've lost contact with them over the years. Okay. This is, you're talking in grade school, bro. <laughs> sure? Okay. All right. So uh, that that said, I am, I, I'm not trying to get too personal. I'm just trying to uh, no, understand fine, how man, whatever. This, you know, this, is fine. This, this tracks with, with what we're talking about here. So at, at that point, when this thing happened, 
did you say immediately to yourself, okay, that's God, I need to, I need to become a follower of God, or was there a process after that? Oh, of course, there's always a process, yeah. Uh, there, but, but I would say it was more because of me and not, and not belief in general, but it was more because of what I wanted to do with myself, you know? Sure. But, yeah. Okay. But you, but, but to, to this day, uh, you still feel like that was God acting in, in your life and kind of calling yeah, absolutely. you? Yeah. Well, you know, saving me in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. all right. So God, God saved you. You acknowledged to yourself that this had to be God who saved you because you called out to him. And at some point, you turned that that moment into I want to be a follower of God. No, not necessarily. Like I said, it took a process after that of me getting to where I fully took on the faith. I mean, it was just one of the things that that led up to, you know, uh, my conversion. Okay, but that was but that was the thing that you point to that makes you say, okay, I didn't believe in God before that and I believe in God after that. Is that is that correct? It's one of the things where I would say in a way I would say I was more skeptical and then after that it it did kind of push me into the direction of belief. Does that make sense? Yes. Um okay. it it still seems like a so I'm just trying to understand the experience. Like I said, I'm not trying to deconstruct. Yeah. It. Well, here's the uh, thing. Well, here's the thing is, is you asked for one experience that people would have, and that's one of the things that led me into that direction, and that that's just what it is. Okay. So the, the yeah. kind of encounter that Paul had was, I, I would say, of a different character because absolutely he didn't he didn't believe in Jesus, and he had an encounter with Jesus, and then he did believe in Jesus. It was yeah. it was a light switch moment. It wasn't mm-hmm. a um, a process. Um, so yeah, for him, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So what you're describing sounds like the kind of thing that another, it could happen to another person and they may not, uh, believe that this was from God. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I I recognize that. Okay. All right. That's, that's fine. So, um, I mean, I, I guess if this is what you mean by all Christians have some kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, prior to belief, or, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking the bar is pretty low. On, well, I mean, on what it, you mean by that? Okay, that's that's fine. It, but that's like I said, we're arguing about preference here. I, I mean, seriously, some some th- some people that had may have had a, a similar encounter to God as Paul. One of the missionaries I just talked to. Now that I'm glad this popped up, he said God came to him in a dream. And he lives in Pakistan, okay. and it was Jesus, a very dominantly Muslim, and that, and and now he's feeding orphans, you know. Right, but so, so I respect yeah. that. I respect. Yeah. I, I don't believe that people are having encounters with Jesus, yeah, Jesus but I actually respect that kind of story because it, at least it's a story that's akin to a more biblical type of process where God says, "Here I am," and it's a way that's convincing to that person. Yeah, but that person but doesn't need a process anymore. That person but, has gotten for them evidence of God's existence and they can and then they can then do something about it. But but David, that's what we're saying is that you're saying that Paul's experience is like the standard of what the Bible is given when it's not. 
the standard was the thousand, the three thousand that joined the church in Acts on the first day believed off of Peter's word and of the stories of Christ and whatever they 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 saw him going to the cross. None of those guys claimed to have seen. Uh, uh, the resurrected Christ. Well, now, but three or four times throughout this podcast, you have told me that all Christians have some kind of experience with the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, of course, that, the that Holy is, Spirit came. That is that the the experience was. Hold on, David. Hold okay. on, just one second. You, you you said something. I just want to cover. It. They did have an experience with the Holy Spirit, and it's right there. It says they they heard the wind. The wind came in. They all started hearing these disciples in their in their uh, own native language. You know, there was a miraculous thing that happened right there. But they had an experience with the Holy Spirit. They they had that wind rush in. Okay, so I'm getting whiplash here. A moment ago, you mentioned the three thousand. Uh, they were. Uh, converted without any kinds of signs. Yes, they... No, they, no, they had the stories, but okay. they they did hear the disciples speaking in their own language. Right, did they know so, it was a Did they know it was a sign? No, only Peter and those guys did. They just heard him speaking in their own language. Uh, well, actually, and, they, and, they, and were curious, according to the and story, curious, they did curious. know that it was a sign because they they said there's there's a place in that story yeah. that you're alluding to. How is it that these uh, un, unschooled men... Uh, yeah. Are speaking in our language, so yeah. they it was a sign it, to them. It, it well, either it was a sign, or they're just curious how these these unschooled men would know their language. I mean, the place was a hotbed of trade, so it's not. I don't think it was uh, a uh, a far fetched idea that they may have been bilingual, but well, they also had flaming to, like, tongues of fire on of, their head. So <laughs> they had flaming songs of fire on their head. I mean, that's, yeah, but that's a, you know that's more metaphorical. But and, you know, and I can even really? go there. But I think so. Yeah, I think absolutely. So, so that's funny because I don't think it was metaphorical. I, okay. think they had, I think their heads were on fire. I would have to. I would have to actually look at the scripture. To, like I said, I didn't even prepare for that. So yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't. Their heads was, were on fire. They, yeah, okay. they're all Ghost Rider coming out of there. Right. And, yeah, they had their chains and their Harleys and <laughs> or their choppers. But yeah, no, I, I don't, I'd have to look more deep into it. But I, I, they were, they did believe off the t- disciples' testimony of who Christ was. Okay, you know, just so if a person of, believes on the basis of testimony alone, would you say that's the Holy Spirit working? Oh, absolutely. You would, you would say that's an experience of the Holy Spirit. So what of the person who doesn't believe on the basis of testimony? What, what do you mean, what, what do I do well, with them? If the, Holy, <laughs> if the Holy Spirit is working in the minds of people who believe based on the stories, where is the Holy Spirit for those who don't believe on the basis of the stories? Maybe, maybe a person's only experience of the stories, for instance, is from some dude who tells the stories very badly. <laughs> right, I mean, and so they don't believe, brother. So, we could, we can. The, the the truth is, we can. What if it? All we want. I I, I don't know everything. I I'm not going to be able to answer all the what ifs because I I don't know every experience. Well, I, I I wouldn't uh, be able to judge it. I only okay. judge the ones that I've come in contact with and the ones that Christ says, "Blessed are those who believe that have heard those testimonies." You know, so. I don't know. I don't know if I could really give you a answer to a what if that I don't know if these even happened. So I'm not. Well, know. okay, it I, happens, I but I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what you mean by having experience with the Holy Spirit if all you're talking about is testimony. 
but but um, what what, I, what I'm saying is that they claim we claim that you know we've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Some people have a hard time even describing what that experience is. Some people would say that it was God illuminating them. You know, who knows? Revelation this that is, God revealed. This is what I mean. Spirit. So if God is doing that for some Always. people, opening up their heart in some way to make the yeah. message. Um, you know, take root, why isn't he doing that for everybody who hears the message? I'm just trying to understand if this is the Holy Spirit at work, it should work the same way for everyone. And if it's, just, if it's just us at work... Why? Um, Everybody's different. Right, so I would expect so the Holy maybe, Spirit to work differently to make sure maybe that everyone he is. gets it. How do you know he's not? Because everyone doesn't get it. Or they refuse to accept it. There's several different reasons why people choose not to believe. There's okay. several different reasons. If they choose to believe, it, it seems like there's a game here. If they choose to believe, that's the Holy Spirit. And if they choose not to believe, well, that's just them. It seems like to me, if a person chooses to believe, Wait. that's also just them. I don't see what part the Holy Spirit plays in any but of this. It. Is, it's all preference. I, like, like, you know... I don't know what I'm what I guess I'm saying is like it's not a game. There are people that choose not to believe. There are people that do choose to believe based off of whatever. So so what does an experience of the Holy Spirit have to do with that preference? But the the point is, is like we're going back now. I must I'm, I think I'm getting confused here, but. Well, you said that everyone has an experience of the Holy Spirit uh, when they come right. to right, and and yet you're telling me that one of the main ways that people come to God is just through hearing the testimony. There are there are people that, but that's that's I mean they come to believe believing on that testimony, but yeah, I mean there there are personal experiences that people have as well. From what I from what I know, okay, and what I'm and what I'm telling you is that not everyone yeah. has those per personal experiences. Yeah, some people have a Damascus Road. I think everybody has some sort of experience. I don't know what it is. It's it's usually subjected to that person. Why do you think that everyone has some sort of experience? Let, let's try that. What what gives you that idea? Well, part of my part is it just because of my own experience, right? But that's that's you. You're you're Paul. Now, why I'm do you? Paul. Yes. So, why do you think everybody has a personal experience? Because I think it happens in one way, shape, or form. Whether it's testimony no, I, or I whether understand it's, that you think yeah. that. I'm asking, why do you think that? Do you get that from the Bible? Do you get that just from yeah. this is what you're yeah, saying? I think, I think that's what the you? scripture. I think that what is what the scripture points to and alludes to. Yeah. Can you can you maybe give me an example? I can help you look for it if you if you kind of point me to where where do you think that the Bible promises that everyone would have a, a, a personal experience? Well, you know, it says that. Uh, and I think of Romans about, uh, you know, once he starts a work in you, then he brings it to fruition. Um, he talks about the Holy Spirit uh, being inside of you, you know, being in you. Starts, you know? So the Holy Spirit starts a work in a person and he brings it to fruition. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is inside of everybody. That's just off just, the top of my head. Right. So. No, no, no. I, that's fine. So the Holy Spirit would be inside of everyone, including non-Christians, right? 
I wouldn't say so now. No. Okay. So oh. he's only in certain people and he starts to work inside of them and he brings it to fruition. That sounds like Calvinism. Uh, How does it sound like Calvinism? Because the Holy Spirit is picking and choosing who he's going to. No, you're presented with the gospel. You have a, an experience. You know, when you're presented with the gospel, you, you read the stories, you either believe or you don't believe. You're convinced by the testimony, the evidence, whatever it is, and then you're saved. See, and then the Holy Spirit works inside of you. That's the that I keep missing. Uh, okay. Is, you know, you're presented with the gospel, and then you say, and then you have an experience. And it's the experience part that I am missing. You asked me earlier, by the way. I don't want to ignore your questions. I just... Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, it wasn't the right time. You asked me earlier how it is I came to be saved. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Back, back with, do you still want to know? Sure. Okay. Uh, listening audience, do you want to know? They said yes. They said yes? They said okay. yes. I, I heard it in my spirit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, look, it's very simple. So there's, And just so you know, there will be an episode at some point, assuming that it hasn't already aired yet. Uh, Teddy has been uh, badgering me. Teddy the bear has been badgering me to death uh, about an interview. She wants to interview me. She wants to lure me in her oh. cave and pepper me with questions about my Christian walk and deconversion because she thinks that she can uncover the real truth. I have agreed to let her do this. Okay. So uh, part of what I'm going to show you now will come out in more detail later, listeners. Just stay tuned. I have agreed to submit myself to the bear trap. Anyway, um, so David, I uh, came. How did I come to faith? I was baptized when I was seven years old. Seven, uh, okay. not, not seventeen. Seven. Uh, why was I baptized at seven? Well, my father was a preacher. I was born in the church. All I ever knew was the church, and preaching and such. So that that's really all I ever knew. And uh, one day it uh, occurred to me that uh, I had not been baptized. I don't know how these things occur to a person, but I've been listening to sermons about being baptized all, your, all my life. Um, are you still there? Did we lose you? No, I'm here. I'm okay, here. you hit the mute just, button, dude. Yeah, you? I muted my mic. I can still hear you. Okay, all right. You see, there's a, there's a little bit of background hiss, and when it went away, I got scared. All right, but I feel better now. All right. So um, I, I came to the awareness that I hadn't been baptized. Once again, I don't know how this awareness comes to a person. Maybe you just get old enough where you put all the pieces together of all the sermons that you've heard uh, since you were a baby. Uh, but I hadn't been baptized. I knew that God uh, wanted everybody to be baptized. It had to be water baptism. I knew that uh, those who were not baptized when they died would go to hell uh, and burn in hell for all eternity. Uh, I knew uh, that um, people my age and younger died all the time, uh, you know, there's in, in in fact there's the nursery rhyme you know uh, I, I uh, 
how's that go? Something, something, something. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul yeah, to take. Cool. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah. Right? I mean, so yeah. death is um, <laughs> death is on the mind uh, there, even um, with small kids and raised the way I was. Death and hell uh, were on the mind. Now, what did I know about the church and Jesus and God? Uh, I knew everything that a person would know who's been to seven years of church. Uh, Sunday morning uh, Bible class, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening Bible class, Sunday evening service, Wednesday night Bible class, every week, my entire life. So what I know, I knew that. And I was a, a young reader. I could I could read at a very early age. I had read a lot of stuff by then. I could read the Bible uh, by then. So I knew more stuff um, than most people people probably knew uh, or know when they get baptized. And I think that, you know, at some point it just clicked that I'm going to go to hell if I don't wake up tonight. Uh, and that became a, a burning reality uh, for me. And uh, I went to my father and I explained this to him and said, I want to be baptized. Um. And, you know, we had some conversation, and obviously I could answer all the questions that needed to be asked, and I was baptized. And I was a Christian ever since then. And I wasn't just a Christian by name. I was very active in the church. I was very studious. I uh, became a part of the church. I started preaching at 12. And um, my life and career kind of progressed uh, from there. But it wasn't any kind of what I would consider a miraculous experience with the Holy Spirit, I never got one of those. And in fact, the church uh, denomination that I was a part of uh, didn't really believe in that sort of thing anyway. So I never expected uh, anything like that. But as I grew uh, kind of through and out of that denomination and uh, uh, had other Christian experiences, I still never got that experience. Uh, throughout my entire time uh, in the church and as a church leader. Uh, and so that gives you a little bit of uh, background uh, All right. on, on where it is for me. So when I, when I uh, am asking you about this, this whole uh, experience of the Holy Spirit thing, I mean, part of it is just the different places we come from on the, on the religious spectrum. You were yeah. a Pentecostal. You come from a place where it was highly expected that you would have some kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And I came from a place where it was highly unexpected to have such an experience. And lo and behold, mm -hmm. you had an experience and I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. It does. It does. Uh, there are people that, I mean, it, everything, it's different for different people as well. I mean, I, I can't sit here and judge every experience. I just can't. But I wanted, I wanted an experience. You wanted an experience. I yeah, wanted and, it badly. Yeah. Okay, maybe you'll get one I was, tonight. I was, I was certainly willing to reject my denomination at some point yeah. uh, to seek it. Okay. Uh, I, I spent uh, years, nay, decades. Decades. Uh, looking for it, at least two. At least so, two. At least two. So that qualifies as decades. Um, so, Almost a quarter of a century. Yeah, um, yeah, much of much of my lifetime. So, uh, and even today, 
as a God-hating skeptic, I still want proof that he's real. <laughs> because well, here's the thing. Here's don't, yeah, I, I put I put that out as bait. Are you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you basically gave me the Hitchens thing, you know, where it says, "I hate God." I don't believe in him, but I hate him type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's <laughs> bait. You can chew on that if you okay, like. Okay, yeah. Um, but it, um, the, the fact of the matter is, if I have a negative experience or impression of God today, yeah, it may well simply be because I never got a confirming experience of the true God. So the You only, never got your confirming experience for yourself. Yeah, I hear so you. So the okay. only God I know is this negative kind of God that I can read about in the Bible or see in the lives of other Christians. If there's, if there's another God out there who I should be experiencing, I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to make him appear. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you're going to make him do anything, but okay. I, I, I just don't know what you want me to say to that. I mean, you're, you're, you're wanting a specific kind of experience. I can't yeah, tell you if you're going to get it or not. No, no, no. <laughs> when you say a specific kind of experience, I, Gideon wanted a specific kind of experience. I'm not nearly uh, as um, arrogant as Gideon. <laughs> Gideon lays out this, this um, very specific test. I have not done that. I, I, don't, I don't lay out tests in that way. I'm okay. just asking for whatever you, you, you the convincing. Are. But no, it's the right? only thing I'm asking for is a convincing experience. Period. But, whatever that okay, is. Okay, uh, but but, no, but you're using uh, certain standards to 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 uh, ask for your experience. I, I just don't get what experience are you asking for. You, I don't know. One that convinces I, I, me. I right. I mean, these are all these are all things that you got to work out with God. I, I don't know. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I'm not God. I can't give you an experience. Well, you know, all I can do is tell you from my point is what happened in my life, you know, and what may have happened in, in my friend in Pakistan's life and what, you know, happens in other believers lives that give us books and testimonies of what happened in their life. I can only tell you what happened uh, what Jesus says about it, he said there are some people that will uh, believe on the message and the testimony of the disciples. Uh, there's some people that will believe off of this and that, you know, and that's that's really all I can tell you. Right. And and right. I guess I guess part of the frustration with me is you're not tracking with how unfair that seems. You see, I, I, yeah, did, I, I, I do. Look, look, I, I sympathize. question your experience. Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be just cheap. Um, Darren might question your experience, but I don't. Quick, I don't think he's cheap either. Uh, but I don't. I don't. I stopped questioning people's uh, experience when they talk about the miraculous a long time ago. Uh, I don't find it a fruitful. You there? Yes, I am here. Oh yeah, you cut out for a second. Okay, sorry about that. I don't find it a okay. fruitful thing um, to deconstruct other people's experience because let's say I'm right yeah. and you're wrong. You're never going to believe me anyway. Uh, you had a first-person experience, and it was a very emotional experience. Yeah. And whatever it was, it was convincing to you. That's great. I, I haven't had an experience that good, yeah. right? I mean, and I don't, I don't even think that's particularly good for me. I, w I don't think I would yeah. consider that uh, veridical for me. But I haven't had one that good. 
Uh, well, I, I, obviously, obviously, I I did have issues down the road, you know. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I hear you, man, and and I totally sympathize with you that that you think it's unfair. I I, I you know I I hear the frustration that that you have, you know. I'm not I'm not downplaying it at all. It's just I I don't know how you want me to respond to why you think it's unfair when I think that I think the evidence is good enough that we have. You don't. I, I there's nothing I, I don't know what else to do. If for the you. evidence was good enough, <laughs> you know that, I mean? if the evidence was good enough that we have, why weren't you a Christian before your experience? I didn't know the evidence. Well, why didn't you look? Because I was like a kid. <laughs> I, didn't, I was thinking about like chopping trees and uh, with my with my freaking katana at the time you know sure. and and sword fighting with my friends or playing video games or you know skipping school to go to Chuck E. cheese and take their tokens and go to planet fun where i could play the better video games right. you know? but, you were, but you, <laughs> yeah. were, you were culturally immersed in the god story so you knew who god was you knew I, yeah i just you knew, knew about you, it you, yeah okay, i wasn't you, immersed i wouldn't say immersed that's a I, my, my feet were wet but okay <laughs> not right. not my but here's the thing. You knew enough about it so that when you thought your life was in danger, you could call out to him. Yes. Uh, so you knew enough about him for that. And so I'm, I'm just saying, if you knew enough for that, you knew enough to do some research, uh, ask a preacher, read a book. Um, you know, I was seven. Yeah, but that was the furthest thing from my mind, bud. I understand it was the furthest yeah. thing from your mind. But the fact is, uh, God reached out and... Uh, in his way spoke to you anyway. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know that it being the furthest thing of your mind is actually a good excuse because there are plenty of people who were teenagers doing, you know, silly things in their lifetimes and they weren't as lucky as you. Okay. And, and, you know, they might end up. Yes. Yeah, some of them actually hit a car. <laughs> right. And so they, you know, they <laughs> might mean... end up with a, a, a very different afterlife than you because God didn't reach out to them, and you know He might say, "Well, you know, why didn't why didn't you uh, seek me when you had a chance in your life?" Well, I was a teen, man. I was I was had other things on my mind. That would not have been an excuse for them, okay. but for you. But, but here's but here here you're making scenarios out of what ifs that, buddy. I, I, there's nothing I can do. I, I I could go along with your what if and say, "Yeah, that's very unfair," but I don't know. I don't know if that has ever happened. I don't know if there are people that that I don't know what their status is. I, I I can't judge the hearts of people. I can't judge the person. I can't do any of those things. It's not my priority, you know. It's not my my job. Basically, it's not in my job description. So it's that's, so go ahead. That's an interesting strand to pull on. We don't have time. Um, I know to pull on a new strand now, but I do want to just put it out there for the commenters okay. because you've said this uh, maybe three times in the podcast already. Okay. Um, and so I just thought it it was important to. Uh, hang a lantern on uh, okay. that you don't know if these scenarios ever happen uh, that yeah, that, I mean, that you kind of yeah. cast doubt on the idea that there are any uh, people who have kind of gone through their lives innocently and missed out uh, on on the message through no fault of their own and didn't get some kind of nudging from God. You're you're you seem to be suggesting that the the many people who are, are in fact making that claim, such as myself, um, that that that's that that's not true. 
that yeah well i i don't know if it is you know i i don't know everybody's experience in other words i, I don't know if i can just judge what ifs I, I i don't i mean we could go and speculate about stuff like this all day long and at the end of the day i don't know what has happened in their life I don't know if God has done this or if God has done that. I, and I could I could do the same thing to you. I can propose a story just like you did, except to say, add in insertions like, okay, God did come to him in this. What if God did come to him and they rejected him at this point? And you'd be like, well, then they rejected him. You know, we could speculate about this type of stuff all day. But a subjective experience, like we said, is a subjective experience that an individual does go through. But I, I mean, to speculate on all these given other things that we don't know happened, or we don't know what of, I don't, I, I can't comment on them because I don't know. Okay. They're a subjective experience. I don't know. I don't know if God ever tried to reach them. Let's let's uh, let's uh, try to wrap up I'm some sorry. of this. No, no, no. You <laughs> don't need to apologize. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 just I don't do, know what I else do four-hour podcasts sometimes, man. I, uh, oh, man. <laughs> you don't have to apologize to me. Um, I'm. I'm trying to wrap up for your benefit. Well, no, I, I just think we beat a dead horse, you know? Well, uh, oh. I, I mean, maybe it's the same horse that Paul was knocked off of <laughs> many years ago. Well, he's uh, definitely dead now. We know that. So. Maybe. I mean, the horse is all we got left to examine. Um, so let me let me just – let me try to, to wrap up a few threads and maybe um, come to a conclusion – um, just kind of looking over over some of my other notes. All right, the Christ, uh, I, I am curious about this one, um, especially since you share some similarities with a another person that I've sparred with um, <laughs> a lot. No, I'm not going to ask the Abraham test. Okay. I'm not going to ask it, people. I'm not going to ask it. Are you afraid? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know the answer. <laughs> um, but so I mentioned I mentioned a few things uh, here. Six six things that Christians claim. First of all, just out of curiosity, you've you've read this list. Do you affirm all of those things in the list? Let, let me see if I have the list in front of me here. God exists. Okay, Jesus is God. Yeah. Jesus I don't know about no, – I'm not sure you, you may have the numbers there. I don't think they rose from the dead it, as far as like – I think they were resuscitated. I wouldn't say they had a resurrection like Christ. Uh, prayer is effective. Yeah. The uh, Bible is a holy book inspired by God and is the word. I already answered that one for you. Yeah, that was um, a yes. We will live forever in some sort of afterlife. Yeah, I could say I could – yeah, for the most part, keep it simple, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, do you think each of those these claims need to be validated, or do you believe that if you can validate the resurrection or validate the Bible, say that all of the rest of the claims are are, are come along for the ride? No, no. I'm a classical apologist, so I would probably uh, start off with. You know, does God exist? And, you know, go through the – I mean, you know all the arguments, you know, moral argument, teleological. You know, I go through those, you know. Sure. I think there's so all let, to God. Let's say yeah, that I mean, God exists. Okay. Uh, do you right. think that that's proof enough that um, there's an afterlife? Or No, think, I think okay. you'd have to you'd have to get in, into 
uh, theology at that point. If once you're able to establish there is a God, what is this God like? You know, who is this God and stuff? Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you think it's actually necessary to validate these claims at all or argue these claims with unbelievers? Uh, of course, yeah. I wouldn't be an apologist if I didn't think so. <laughs> well, yeah, well, so here's here's I I, I asked the question a little bit um, lazily here. A lot of um, apologists. Uh, so I'll give just one example of someone. I have to wash my mouth out after I say the name, but Saiten Bergen Bergen. Um, oh, he is so good. He's like my favorite apologist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Go ahead, bro. I got I'm, you. Go uh, ahead. I'm brushing my teeth with soap right now. <laughs> brushing it with soap. Um, so uh, he, uh, he's one of those people who would say, though, that I, I just don't argue um, theology with unbelievers. I don't argue Bible uh, with unbelievers. So you know, he might argue a presuppositionalist position that there is a God, but he would never go into any of these other things because it, it just doesn't matter to him. Um, if you if you are not on board the God train, then it's not worth it to him to argue heaven and hell. Uh-huh. What so, about him? So I just, I only mentioned that to see, um, you know, if if you, in fact, thought that some of these other um, seemingly ancillary um, issues are, in fact, worth arguing. Uh, well, you, you remember when I told you, uh, I told you I live my life by, you know, I want people to know how much I care before they care how much I know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that, that stands. So if talk, I, I'm obviously been on here for about two hours with you. <laughs> Just talking about this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I'll meet meet you where you're at. That's what a classical apologist does. You know, we try to anyway. And if you're not convinced, you're not convinced. I, I understand that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So about the Abraham test. All right. Good. You seem to really want to answer the question. <laughs> I was just laughing. Well, you know, it, it's funny because when I was listening to you and Titus talk about it. Mm-hmm. It was like two weeks later, and right before I was like, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta talk to you because I keep putting it, you know, I keep rescheduling you," and it just happened to pop up in what we were talking about in youth, the youth group in that church and this and that, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." But then I looked into it, and yeah, so it's pretty cool. And, and I had a funny answer, so I was like, I was wondering if you're going to answer it. So I, this is—it's not a standard question that I ask people. It's just—I thought—I thought you said it was when no, you're talking to Titus. You ask everybody. This sometimes question. I ask people off mic, but I—it's oh. not a—it's not a—it's not a litmus test for me. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought it was no. like your Hitchens lit, lit, litmus test. No, yeah. but um, okay. I find it awkward. Uh, actually, especially since I have asked a few people, I I really have come to the place where I don't want to know. I don't I don't want to hear another person tell me that they will kill their newborn kid uh, if God tells them to do it. But that said, um, God tells you I need you to kill your kid for me, and <laughs> and you are certain. Let's just just throw out this other nonsense. Okay, okay. You are absolutely certain that it is God. Okay, and I don't I don't know how we got that certainty. Don't care. This test <laughs> assumes that you have that certainty. The only variable is do you obey it or not? All right. So this it, it, in context of Abraham, right? 
Yes. And this is my funny answer, all right? Would I sacrifice my son if if God asked? And I said, sure. If I live to be a hundred and God speaks to me, uh, and you know destroys a city basically by saying you know even meet my conditions and destroyed two cities, I live uh, like I said I live to a hundred. I miraculously have a kid that God provided that he said would populate the rest of the earth. There'd be so many people would be blessed by by his seed. And that child uh, is born after my wife goes through menopause. <laughs> and I'm convinced that he would return my kid back from the dead. <laughs> and that's my funny answer. Okay, so uh, I will I try would, not I, to hold it to you, but I will still say that answer is monstrous. Why? Uh, why? It's <laughs> so, awful. So, let, me, let me ask you this. Okay, so, hey, you got to ask yourself, is God – allowed to test a person's faith, even if he knows he's not going to go through with it. Uh, I mean, he's not allowed to test a person's faith by asking him to do something awful. So no, why? because it's awful. Even though he wasn't going to go through with it, he was saying, take him up here. You got to remember, like, it, even if God never planned for him to go is, through is like, with it, it's still please, awful. Go, go take your kid. But he already knew that, that the, 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 uh, the, the sacrifice would be provided. He knew Isaac wasn't going to die. No, he didn't. If he did, if yes, he knew he that, then it's Absolutely not. If, if, if you're did, saying right that both pressure. parties knew that it wasn't going to happen anyway, he, then it's not a test. He did. He did, he did know it was it. Well, it was his faith, right? He. I, there's a lot more to the story. Think about it. When he's talking to his, uh, the guys that he had saddled the donkey and walked with him to the to the bottom of the mountain, there, he said, "We will come up. We will come back." As they're walking up. With the, well, with he the, was hardly going to say, I'm, I'm taking Isaac my kid down here to kill him. He well, was <laughs> a baby. It was a, more like a 20 to 35-year-old man. Don't care. He's, he's, not, he's hardly going to say, uh, yeah, I'm just going to kill, kill my uh, son, and then I'll be back. That, no, <laughs> so. no. He said, we're going to go up. We're going to come back. Even as they're walking the two together, he says, God's going to provide the sacrifice. Even the mountain's name was God Provides. Right, but once right? again, he didn't. It's not like he had that conversation with Isaac, saying, "Look, God told me to kill you, but I know it's not going to happen. So just uh, bear yeah, with but, me for but, a little bit." But Isaac let him bind his wrists, put him on the altar. Isaac was a twenty-five-year-old man. It doesn't take much for a twenty-five-year-old man to push a old, a hundred-year-old man uh, over. I, I, I mean? I'm not entirely sure where we get the idea that Isaac's a 25 year old to 35 year old man. I'm just going with it. It doesn't matter. Abraham was crazy strong, crazy strong. He was, he was, he was crazy strong. No, he was, he was, he was faithful. in the fact that he was going to obey God, oh, no, because he, he had, God he was, he had would provide Well, you got to think, <laughs> but, but yeah, but just think about this. Abraham knew already that the kid wasn't going to die because God had already promised him that he would provide uh, uh, this heir, and that their their number would populate the earth. That's not. That has nothing to do with whether it's an awful thing to ask. So, first of all, yeah, sure. No, because what, what what you said just a, uh, earlier was that Abraham knew that God could raise him from the dead. He did. Well, that well, see, it does not matter if God raises him from the dead. Killing your kid. Is a bad is he, thing. Is, are you killing him though? At that point, yes, you're killing him. He otherwise he couldn't be raised. And, and they're gonna <laughs> so. and he's gonna raise from the dead to be the firstborn and fulfill the prophecies right. that are about it, the Messiah. It, it does not matter whether there is a resurrection after a murder. 
Okay, the, the murder still happened. <laughs> so. I, I, but I understand what you're saying, but the whole thing is is that God asked him to do something, and he knew the, the result was going to be life. Right. And that, that it's, humanity it's justified be means. It, it was, was a whole foreshadow of the cross. It was awful. Yeah, it's awful. yeah, no, that was, right, yeah, we'll leave that's it there. awful. Let's leave it there. We'll <laughs> well, leave it now, there. now I want to know what your serious answer is. <laughs> because, oh, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say about uh, that answer, uh, you mentioned, you know, God kind of showing his credentials. He's destroyed two cities. Again, this is a red flag that you should not do it. This is right. a guy who's but, destroyed, but God destroyed two cities. two cities. I mean, what's wrong? Those cities were were corrupted with sin. So why why can't God judge them? Yeah, this I, is what this is what kills me about you skeptics is like when God does judge bad things, y'all cry foul. But when bad things happen, you wonder why God didn't judge those people or why God allows that to happen. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think <laughs> it's, just, I think, it's, a, it's I think, a catch 22. With I you think guys. A God who who destroys um, utterly destroys um, Louisiana, uh, uh, Louisiana and, um, you know, Nevada. Reno, um, you know, they're, this God is not a good God. You know, maybe he takes out uh, New Jersey because, you know, we've got Atlantic City there. and uh, Actually, well, just yeah. all of New Jersey. Um, well, that was what, Dorian that came, went up there or whatever it was? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're saying, you know, God judged these cities and uh, destroyed them if, in big fireballs, therefore you if, should obey him. If, if, if he there is you to God, kill somebody, I would expect him to make judgments and write judgments I'm, for I'm, him I'm people dying is a change in location for him right that sounds like an evil god to me why he's, he, why i he mean destroys it, he, two or three the cities and, and then tells you to kill your kid i'm thinking this is yeah this is not the guy that you want to listen to and you're saying he's god not, destroyed not, these cities and that's good reason to listen to him when he tells you to kill your kid i'm not saying uh, but i'm not saying that i'm saying that that you know he saw he saw the power of God. He knew God. He was promised things by God. You know, God showed himself to him and proved himself to him. And that's why I bring up the cities. Not to say that, you know, have some backdoor answer that's like, you know, incriminating me. Come on, man. You're the one doing that. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm using that as a, as, as a, a prerequisite that says, hey, he gave evidence of who he was. God is the judge. He is the giver and taker of life i mean he does do that I mean, you, you you might as well just cry foul for the thousands upon thousands of people that die of natural causes every day at that point i mean if you're saying he can't judge then he's not much of a god are you saying that people die because god's judged them and oh my gosh no okay, i'm saying good. people die every day he <laughs> right. gives and takes life okay yeah, well, and okay. there's times he judges he judges us all God, he doesn't but, take life okay people die um uh, but yeah that's because you're an atheist and, and a skeptic so when a, when a baby a god dies hating, when it when a, a god baby hating that you don't believe in when a, god a, you hate when you a baby dies in. you're saying that god took that life what do you when a baby dies yes I takes the the baby. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe he takes ba the baby. baby is stillborn. He died. He didn't just die of natural causes. It's that God took his life. Is that what you're saying? God takes life. Absolutely, he takes life. Oh, yeah, he's the no. giver and taker of life. Why do, now, why, there, do, why do we have to end here? <laughs> yeah, but but if he has good reason of why he takes life, 
I mean, and he does what he does. He is God. I mean, people die every day. I mean, you, you, I know it, it's playing on your, your emotions there, on your heartstrings and stuff like that. I get that. But, I mean, that's just a widely accepted notion that God is the giver and taker of life. I don't, I don't know how if that is as widely accepted as you think. I think it is maybe widely accepted among a certain uh, spectrum of Christian, but— uh, like we, uh, from what I know, all Christians believe that God gives and takes life. No, I don't think they do. Uh, they don't? I think I think that they would say that God gives life generically in that, you know, he's somewhere at the top of the process of evolution. But uh, I don't think that they would say that God is selectively, you know, uh, taking lives or ending the lives of individuals who die. You know, someone someone contracts cancer and dies or someone gets hit by a bus uh, because uh, the bus driver wasn't paying attention, they would not say, yeah, God uh, chose that life to be taken and that method for his life to be taken. I, I don't I don't think that is as widespread as you think it is. No, I'm not saying the method of things happening and the things that do happen in life are necessarily that God is, is causing this person to get cancer and this and that. I, I think there's some things that are direct result of the corruption of sin and this and that and that that's permeated this world and it's fallen and it's suffering decay um but i i, I hear what you're saying and there, there's obviously more to this that we can't get into which kind of sucks but <laughs> it does suck but does. uh and we could get into it another time maybe round we'll have two a, round two <laughs> yeah. round two we'll get into it all uh but yeah i mean i mean i, I don't know who understands that who doesn't believe that god is the giver and he does take our lives when when we die. He takes our spirits, and okay, but you know, that's it's uh, one thing to say he receives a spirit after the life has been taken. It's another thing to say he took your life. Uh, so I'm, I'm we'll talk. Trying... We'll talk. Let's leave it there. We'll okay. talk more about that. I'll prepare for that one. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, look, that. a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is Christianese. You know, Christians have a way of talking among themselves, and they they say yeah. things that it's yeah. You, just and, and Christianese. And it's not really what yeah. they mean. Yeah. And that happens. That, that and I'm I'm bad about it. I I do it too. You know, because I've been in it so long. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah it's. Well, I, I still speak. Christianese sometimes, so I, I, yeah. I get that. All right, that's with, because you you really are a Christian. Oh, God. you haven't fallen away. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just, okay. <laughs> I'm so uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna close out uh, right, this please. by saying I'll just make a brief brief statement in summary. Um, it does seem like God is something that should be testable. Now, whether God wants to be tested these days, maybe he wanted to be tested then, maybe he doesn't want to be tested now, I don't know. But there was a time, it seems, that if you trust the Bible, that God was okay uh, with uh, normal people saying, hey, yeah, can you prove it? And uh, there was there were opportunities uh, for that proof. It does seem to me a matter of fairness. Uh, that God would provide some people with the proof they ask for and not provide other people with the proof that they ask for, or that in more generic terms, he would give some people uh, a convincing experience so that they uh, don't have to, to, to suffer in doubt, and he would not give other people a convincing experience. It seems like he needs some people more than he needs other people. Uh, it seems like he creates... Uh, kind of two classes of people, those who get to see the nail wounds and those who don't, those who he appears to after he uh, rises and those who 
uh, he doesn't. So I, um, I don't know what to think about such a god. Is he a, a bad piece of technology, a bad movie, uh, who wants to avoid the reviews? Uh, or does he have some kind of hidden uh, holy agenda that is simply explained by Molinism? He's got his reasons, and that should be good enough for us. Um, I'm unsatisfied by the answers. I'm unsatisfied by um, the answers that we've dug up here today, as I knew I would be. And I think it's worth talking about more. But I, for one, have been through the philosophical arguments, and uh, I'm not a philosopher. Uh, I can be fooled by such arguments. You would be surprised at how many times I've been fooled in my lifetime over stupid things. Uh, have you ever been scammed? Uh, yeah, I bet I bet many of you have. Uh, you can be a smart person and still be scammed. And so um, I can be fooled uh, by clever-sounding philosophical arguments. I can no longer trust those types of arguments as evidences for God. I can be fooled by stories. I can't tell you how many times I've been fooled by stories of people who are really good uh, at telling stories and convince me of one thing, maybe convince me to do something, maybe give money, some, some, uh, thing, um, on the basis of stories, uh, very convincing stories. Well, now it, you know, I'm almost 50. I, I'm not going to be fooled by stories, uh, anymore if I can help it. And so when I call out for this God, no matter what side of faith I'm on, no matter what, uh, the, the ultimate, uh, uh, attitude of my heart uh, is, the disposition of my heart, uh, I still want to know uh, if I am making the right move or not. Uh, I've rejected the God that I've heard about. I'm convinced that the God that I've been told about is a fraud or evil or something, but hey, I might be wrong. But at this point, in order to prove me wrong, in order for me to know that I'm wrong, to be convinced of that, it can't be some philosophy that I'm not good at, or it can't be some story uh, that I that I can be fooled by. It's got to be something else. It needs to be, God needs to want me enough to give me at least the same bad kind of emotional evidences that he's given other people. And I, I feel like a God that doesn't do that for someone who cries out for it uh, isn't a God worth following anyway. So that's um, that's as far as I can get here, I know that there's more conversation to be had. And uh, David, yes, sir. I would very much uh, like to have more of that conversation with you. Uh, cool. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, our time on the program today. Please stop by the blog, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, when this show goes up and interact with the audience, they are a motley crew, but they are good people. I think. <laughs> um, and uh, they're a lot of fun if you don't mind getting your hands dirty in the pit. Um, and so with that, uh, next week, I have no idea, but it's going to be great. In the meantime, thanks uh, so much, everyone, for listening. David, why don't you give a quick plug to what's important to you again before we go? All right. Just uh, you can see us at YouTube on uh, proselytize or apostatize. And you can visit me at Virginia Apologetics Union on Facebook. And with that, everyone have a great week. Bye-bye.